There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the nation's favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Hello. How you doing? You good? You had a good week? You all right? Raining, man. Whoa, it comes down, doesn't it now? I've never known rain like it. Madness, I tell you. Madness. Um, I did a gig the other day, right? I did a gig at this university, and we did all right. And afterwards, we were told... Oh, you've you broke a lot of rules there, a lot of rules. You were talking about things that you shouldn't have been talking about as well. What are you but you just said we did a gig job. Went, yeah, 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 we did, yeah, but you know, you were talking about this and that and there's things we're not supposed to talk about and I was like, oh, what? It's getting mad out there, people. It's I get it, don't offend anyone. People don't want to be offended, but you can't you can't stop people there's gonna be bad things happening. There's bad things happening in the world. Sometimes you're going to feel a bit shit. Sometimes you're going to feel bad. Sometimes you're going to try something and you're going to fail. But you just learn from it. But now we're trying to make everything, we're trying to round off the edges of life. We're going to end up, it's going to end up like Demolition Man, that film, Sylvester Stallone, and we'll end up just being nice, like too nice to each other. And who wants to live in that world? You know, I mean, to this day, I still don't understand how you use the three seashells how can you how can you use those to go to the toilet doesn't make any sense anyway let's not let's not censor everything for god's sake it's going to be boring isn't it isn't it someone said to me the other day like swearing i was like swearing like don't be why do you have to swear he goes because it's fucking brilliant to swear for god's sake people we're turning into i don't know what we're turning into anyway this week's guests right now, this is what happened. Um, Tom Rhodes, who I've been a big, big fan of for, for many years, when I first saw him up the creek many years ago. And I saw that he was over in the UK, and I'm like, I've got to grab him, got to grab him. So I reached out to him, and he was up for it. He said, yeah, cool, I'd love to come on, love to come on. And in the between times, while I, I was researching him and finding out about him, and, and I discovered he's got his own podcast and it's in there was an episode and he was talking about um him and his wife breaking up and 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 how sad it made him feel and it was amazing and it i just thought it's, it, i really want to talk to this guy so then anyway we, we worked it out and uh he it turned out he was staying over here he was staying not far from me in um so east london essex borders and he was like yeah 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 look just come why don't you come to where i'm staying and we'll just do it there. So, so I went over there one one afternoon in uh, beginning of the summer, and I get there, and he's staying in uh, Reginald D. Hunter's house because um, he's on tour. He's supporting Reg Hunter on tour. So I go in and I'm like, "What, Reg?" And he's like, "Hello, mate. You know, here's what you're doing." I said, "Well, I'm just going to do a podcast with uh, with old Tom." He's like, "Oh, righteous man, righteous. Do you mind if I jump in?" I'm like, "Well, yeah. No, of course not. That's amazing." So Reginald Hunter, he finished he finished his lunch and he wandered out to the back garden where Tom and I were sat. He sat down and he joined in. So I got two for the price of one. Two great comics for the price of one. I mean, you can't get better than that. I, you know what? I genuinely, I spoil you. I spoil you on this podcast. I don't actually. You, you lot are brilliant. And thanks again for all your support. You're also brilliant. All the lovely messages that I get. And I just want to say thank you to everybody. Every single one of you. You're worth your weight in gold. It's just—it's just nice to know that people are listening to it, enjoying it, and 
and getting something from it, you know, it's it's it really means a lot, and it, and it means it's it's really worth doing, you know. So thank you for that. And uh, if you really enjoyed it, like I keep saying every week, get on to uh, onto like the iTunes and and uh, give us a five star, give us a five star rating, little message if you wish, just to just pushes us up the charts a little bit, and then it gets people, other people interested, you know. So if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. Thank you so much. So let's get stuck into it. Everyone, please welcome Tom Rhodes and Reginald D. Hunter. Like, should, we shouldn't have music blasting in the background. So I'm yeah. the Bob Dylan soundtrack. <laughs> I love Dylan. Like I was brought up, my dad was a huge Dylan fan. Yeah. So that's, we used to have Dylan, Stones, old blues, like old, really old blues. That's all my, like everything, that's all my, uh, yeah. that's what I grew up Hated the Beatles. Never had the Beatles in the house. We had the White Album, but that's because my mum bought him it for Valentine's Day. I like the Day. Beatles, but I'm the same. I'm much more of a, the Stones were way better because they, yeah. they were dirty and nasty. <laughs> yeah. That was it, that yeah. was it. And it wasn't, I didn't listen to the Beatles until 94 when when Oasis blew up and then they mm. were going on about the Beatles. And so then I'm like, oh, let's go and check the Beatles out now. And then I was like, oh yeah, I dig it. But yeah, the Stones. I always loved the old. Beatles. I mean, you know, they made a song for everybody, old people, yeah. little kids. Uh, there was a, a the, this Dutch woman that I dated years ago when I moved to Amsterdam. Mm. We took a, a trip, weekend trip to Liverpool just to for a Beatles weekend. Yeah, right. And then later, when I had to, um, uh, when I was a presenter on the Dutch travel show, oh wow, I pitched it and we filmed that Beatles weekend in Liverpool. Yeah, and it was great. Uh, but I'm definitely a Stones dude. My first concert in '81 was the Stones. Oh, man. I was like the the, the Beatles were like <laughs> were too clean and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, that that the yeah. Stones did drugs, <laughs> and had sex, and you know. I don't want to bring the mood down or nothing, but when he was talking about it, I just and I I don't know a lot about Dylan. I some, there's some tracks out here I love. Yeah, and I like the image and the mythos. Yeah, but I was watching that. I was looking at the Super Bowl 2014, and he did. They, 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 that's when Chrysler released. They Bob Dylan commercial. Bob yeah, Dylan for Chrysler. Right, yeah. And now to be all done, two years later, Dodge came out with Martin Luther King Jr. for Dodge pickup trucks. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. How you gonna be with Bob? Yeah. Gotta go get the king, man. It's funny though, only there's only certain people. Gandhi's gonna come back. Those little bird scooters. Jesus for Coke. Yeah, Sunny D, Sunny D. <laughs> I think that's that's. I think there's very few artists down the ages that have gotten away with shit like that. Like when John Lydon over here was advertising butter, butter. You know, you're like Johnny Rotten's advertising butter. Well, you know, come on, man. let that guy have whatever money he can grab. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Willie Nelson did Taco Bell commercials in America like 20 years ago, and everybody was in arms about it. Yeah. He had tax problems. <laughs> Give him a break. Let him take a bite of the taco and smile. <laughs> I think that's it. You have, to, you have to have earned it for people to go, yeah, all right, like Iggy Pop yeah. doing uh, car insurance. You know, that's Iggy Pop. Let him fucking do yeah. it, man. I remember I was asking my sister. I was I was struggling with that Bill Hicks kind of. Do I sell out? Do I do this? Yeah, oh, yeah. My sister, she's got her own ministry. She says, "You remember when the apostles went to Jesus and they asked Jesus, Jesus, should we pay taxes?" And Jesus said, "Show me a coin." And they showed him a coin. And he said, "Who face on that coin?" They said Caesar's. And then Jesus says, "Then give those things back to Caesar which belong to Caesar, and give the things to God which belong to God." The, yeah, the, nigga right. face, the nigga face on it. Let him have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his now. It's his. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Keep money when your face on it. <laughs> <laughs> the only way comedians are making money off podcasts, not the only way, but the mm. primary way is through advertising. Yeah. So you got guys like Bill Hicks, and I'm not Bill Hicks, um, Bill, Bill Burr, Burr yeah. Mark Marin, and these guys, they're reading stamp commercials and yeah, you know mattress yeah. discount commercials. And yeah, shit. man. It's like... You know, um, as um, uh, Robert Townsend said in in the movie Hollywood Shuffle, hoes gotta eat too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah man. Okay. <laughs> that, that was my dad's react, exact reaction when I was telling him about the fake paternity suits. Don't be mad at him, son. Hoes gotta eat too. <laughs> <laughs> I was accused in a paternity suit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. I'm not at that yet. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for the miracle of DNA testing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But in America, it's difficult to make money. I geeked though over there for a bit. I did bananas in Poughkeepsie, and, mm. and then I went to the treehouse in Connecticut. And, but there's no, there was no money. Like, you, unless you're... Well, if you're there and you're, you're getting in with them, yeah. it's, you don't make any money until you're at the headliner level. Right, yeah, you yeah. Know? Openers in the feature acts, you're sleeping in your car, staying on... Yeah. I, I used to hitchhike to gigs when I started and right. slept right. on friends' couches forever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember yeah. one time, Our, I remember those times, there was this young, she wasn't all that young, she was an American comic, and she came over, she was living, she, she had moved here. And she called me up one day crying. I was I hadn't been in, in the game like five years. She called me crying, just I can't get no gigs. Nobody gives me gigs. And just I was always I always I was Dr. Saberhole back then. And I was like, I, I fine, I'll get you some gigs. Mm. And I called the people I had some pool with, and I got her like five gigs. Yeah. And you know, but there were places like Nottingham or mm. you know um, Watford and stuff. And so she called me back after I had these people get in touch with her. Why didn't you give me better gigs? <laughs> <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> I'm kidding. Close enough. <laughs> she said, just, um, I'm noticing that these gigs are out of, outside of London. I noticed that they're, I mean, like, if I took a bus, I'd get back really late. And it's really dangerous. Damn it. And wow. I was like, oh, okay. you're not serious about being a comedian. Because wow. I, did, I did this. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. comic I know I had to go and sleep somewhere and sleep on. I've slept in many bus stations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to, just to, you like, go, oh, if I, oh, I'll sleep yeah, at the station. you're doing it, man. And then yeah. I'll get the. She essentially said, yeah. and I'm paraphrasing, but I'll just sit here and wait for, the, for times to change. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it slightly different for women. <clears throat> yeah. But. But even then, you, there is an element of you still have to you still have to ring people and go. Oh, listen, I know we don't know each other, but we're we're in the same. We're doing the same gig. Can I crash at yours? I kind of, you know. And it's just yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I used to get this um this shit. Uh, this this joke years ago about um. There's all this talk every year around Edinburgh. There always starts uh, be this talk in these newspaper articles about um, the glass ceiling of stand-up comedy for women. Mm. It's like women can't push through. And it's like, really, is there anything in the Western world today left that if a woman really wants to do it, she's not allowed to? No, no. And, and it's like, the reason why there aren't more funny women is because women aren't socialized to be funny. Mm. They're not socialized to be believe that being funny will get them the things that they want in life. But then I'd say, if you could make it so that you could convince women that being funny would be would guarantee you a man and some children. You'd be funny bitches coming out your closet all of a sudden. It's just out your cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming in clowns. <laughs> knock knock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let me sleep. Let me sleep. <laughs> but there are fewer women doing comedy, like you say. So there are fewer women that that are, that are you know that are ready to be. On TV and do the bigger oh, shows. There's a lot of great women, especially yeah. in America right now. A lot of great. I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned per capita in America. This probably, but I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's tougher. And I, I'm not gonna lie, it was easier for me over here mm. because I was almost like a woman. I'm black. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you got you got you got a parade of white middle class dudes coming on, and just all of a sudden, just breaks up the monotony. I get that. Yeah. But I've also had to go on bills when there was one other black comic on, and he was nervous because there was another black comic on. Yeah, right. And, just, and when women do that sometimes too, it's like, oh God, I don't know if artists can stand up two women in the same night. This is the thing. And it's uh, just, it's the attitudes you got to change. Funny is funny. Yeah. And the will to do it is the will to do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. That's it. I've, I've said that to loads of young comics, and they're always saying, oh, do you have any advice? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I'm like, you just got to, just got to do the gigs. Yep. You've got to do the gigs, and you can't. You can't go, oh yeah, well like you say, like, oh, it's far. Oh, I don't know, fuck, I've got to be back. You know, just, you just gotta do it. You either wanna do it or you don't, you know, and you're gonna sleep in some weird places, you're gonna meet some weird people. I grew up in but, Georgia too, and it's like, there was long, there was like no places that was like right next door. Yeah. Like if you want, you had to travel to get to places. Uh, you had to drive more than three or four hours sometimes. Yeah. And my dad taught me earlier, he says, if you really want to be somewhere, you'll find a way to get there. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if it means something to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I did the other day, I, had, I just had, like, on paper, 
you know, I'm, I'm doing the gigs and it, because it's all like they pay you later on, I had no money to leave the house. And I'm ringing up a couple of people, I'm like, listen, you owe me a hundred quid. Is it all right if I have it now? Because I need petrol money. And they're like, really? I'm like, listen, don't make me beg. I'm this, I'm, a, I'm 47 and I should be, <laughs> should be fine. I'm begging you for a hundred pounds. But it's just, it goes like that sometimes. It's just how it is. Everybody get tapped every now and again. Yeah. get uptight. And it's just, and I remember when 2007, I was getting ready to come back over here and my father, he just turned 100 recently. Fuck, and, and man. I was getting ready to go, and he said, he says, come here. He says, you you, you, you be careful. He says, they're getting, one, they're getting ready to have one of the depression things that they have from time to time. And he said, they love to act like they only had one in 1929, but they've had several since then. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. He says, and he says, when money get tight, he says, people become less generous. Not even just with their pocket, but even with their listening. It just, he said, be careful. He said, we're about to go through a very ungenerous time. And he told me that in 2007. Wow, man. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And you grew up in Georgia. Yep. Where did you grow up, Tom? Not far. Down the road in Florida. Oh, Two really? Southern born, ah. bouncing around. But <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot in common. Uh, you know, we grew up with a lot of the same stuff and baseball and mm. just references and TBS. Superstitious. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Comedy. Uh, optimism. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be a more romantic, yeah. a, a romanticism to the South. But I, I played in, I started out on the Southern circuits and I played in every town that ends in Ville or Borough, but there was never, I don't think I ever did a gig in Albany. Yeah, um, there was, um, I remember in the 80s, there was a... Hol the Comedy Zones had gigs all over the South. They were all in, they were in Holiday and Lounge. It was, it was in Holiday and Lounge. They were all, so they had these, they, was they had endless tours. You could work for them forever. And one of and they, the guy who ran it was a was a dirtbag. He would double dip. He would book oh, the yeah. gig, and then he would charge you a, a, a an agent fee. Yeah. But it's your gig. <laughs> yeah. And then also he was getting a, he was getting a, a, an agent cut from the from the Holiday Inn. So he was triple cutting triple it. Triple cutting shit. it, yeah. Uh, I think he's in jail for some kind of fraud. Yeah. <laughs> Once a scumbag, How always a scumbag. How did that pay back, man? What was the money like? It was pretty decent, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you'd have to drive like crazy. Yeah. And so I was the young, I was like the, the. Um, I wasn't the opener. I would be like the, the feature act and shit. But um, it was, the guy was such a chump who booked it. It'd be like, you know, you're doing a string of one-nighters in, in Georgia. And let's say the weekend is in Macon. There was one that was in Macon. So, you know, you'd do, you know, another weekend was in Savannah and shit like that. But like, the dude would do chumpy shit like, all right, I'll book you for the Georgia Macon run, but you gotta go to Memphis and pick up the headliner. Oh, what? And drive. <laughs> so it was always some chumpy shit like that. It wasn't the comedy zones, it was, it was actually bonkers out of Orlando had some gigs around the South one time and they had a, uh, a gig in Mobile, Alabama. And wow. they, uh, they asked me if I would drive a van full of chairs up. <laughs> so I did the weekend, and I drove some like white worker van <laughs> from Orlando to Mobile, and delivered some chairs, and fucking did the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You just, yeah. you know, oh, gigs are gigs are gigs. You need it? me to paint? You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, the gig's yours. Can you bring the stage? There's <laughs> some people. But it's just it's just stuff like that, isn't it? It's just but all, all these stories now make it make you've got wonderful stories to tell. Mm. There's a lot of gigs, a lot of people now they're getting into comedy straight from university and they got nothing to say and not been anywhere yet. Mm. You know? Well yeah. Know, best uh the most valuable thing you have is your story and the best mm. thing you have as a comedian is your experiences. Like Reg and I were talking about this last night when I was I started when I was 17. Fuck. So man. when I was 17, 18, all my jokes were about the thoughts of a 17 year old. You yeah. Know? I hadn't lived anything. <laughs> and now you've been, I mean, that's the thing with comedy. I've traveled the world now, seen all manner of shit and experienced all, yeah, just from talking about my penis for a living, basically. <laughs> but see, there comes a point, it's a winning though. Winning formula. <laughs> there comes a point, though, when you've seen a lot. I've heard it said in my house, it's easy to see through shit. The hard part is acting like you hadn't. Because how do you unsee stuff? How do you like? Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Okay. That's scratched into my brain now. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna take me a while to get over that shit. But we were talking about as well. Just you and I mentioned just now. We talked about 
can be quite solitary as well on the road, mm. you know. And you've experienced this as well, Tom. It's like we, you'd have this gig and everyone in the is a there's a few hundred people and they're all going, ah, oh, that was the best thing I've ever seen. And cut forward to an hour and you're just sat on your hotel bed, and you're like, oh, well, yeah. I, mean, I, I was always out chasing drugs and women. Oh, so, well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't sitting on the hotel and, bed. And me, when, if I wasn't doing that, I mean. I never feel bad about being on my own on the road because no. I know what I know the hell that it is to feel solitude being in the midst of lots of people. Yeah, true. And that, I yeah, think that's yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, but I, I get shit done when I'm by myself, and I'm a huge reader. So, mm. like, when I'm traveling, a lot of people hate flying and traveling and shit. That's when I can knock out books and shit. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I had two. I still have two older brothers who are um, uh, jock, thug, bully animals. And, and Republicans. And Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they well they've that, cheated yeah. me and backstabbed me and beaten me up my whole life. And uh, wow. I have That's such odd, gratitude man. for them because uh, nothing could have prepared me for a life in show business better. Than <laughs> 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 not being able to trust me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, what's that? That's not a knife. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You turn around and you go, oh, hey, brother, what you doing with that metal pipe in your hand? <laughs> uh, you can't trust the people you think you can trust. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, I feel more a more rounded human being since doing comedy, weirdly. Mm. Like you say, you see, the, you see the best of people and the worst of people. It does people. make you a better person. I think if you've got any intelligence, because, you know, um, I, I, I don't know if it was with Reg or, but I've had this, this, conversation with with many times with many different people like i knew i couldn't be a racist or a homophobe because mm. i wanted to have a career in show business <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah i couldn't hate jews and gays and blacks and because like no. you know my all my favorite comedians were black yeah. and jewish yeah. you know so like my heroes yeah and that's what has always meant the most to me so yeah man i and and then if if you're one of the uh, fortunate comedians who gets to travel the world, then you're even more enlightened yes. to different flavors of humanity. Yeah, I, man. I think it does make you a better person. And I think and you can talk about any different difficult subject that you want on stage, whether it's Israel or immigration or feminism. But what you can't do is make people feel accused. Nah. You can, and you can be as angry and as sharp as you need to be. But I mean, the people that's sitting there right there, if you make them not naturally, some people through the lens of booze or whatever, they gonna feel accused even when you ain't talking to them. Yeah. And, but then my mom used to say, a hurt dog will holler. Yeah. <laughs> 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 must have stepped on some bounce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're angry, then I must have, yeah, I've, I've obviously touched Because I do nerve. think that there's a greater a tendency nowadays for people to personalize whatever they're hearing from you, even mm. if you're not talking about them. Yeah. So if you know, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're a white comic, and you're talking about a specific instance, a situation where you dealt with a, black, a brown person, then you know there's gonna be brown people like you're talking about me, you're talking about us. Mm, <laughs> and, yeah, and and I think that's been done to people. I don't think people choose to be like that. I no. think I think it's been programmed. Well, I remember grow, growing up, and there were people that said racist things around me. I remember my great grandma. She used to give you she give you money when you saw her. I said, here's some money, some money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. I was that. I remember being that young. I put it in my mouth. Because uh, that was a kid, I'm like, yeah. and I still remember to this day. She's like, "Oh no, 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 don't do that. That could have been in a black man's pocket." And that's the shit that's swimming around you. And you're like, "My my grandmother was super racist. And she had, she was always telling jokes. She had tons of racism." Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was she loads was of growing up people, yeah. friends of mine. Yeah, um, you know, and I I grew up in the South. I mean, like in Southern towns. They still got the remnants of the Civil War everywhere. Like the little town I lived in, it was a little town. Mm. Uh, it was a little citrus farming town when I, where, I, where I grew up. Um, like it's 18 miles east of Orlando, and then Orlando expanded. They built a circular highway around it, and now yeah. it's a highway exit. And it <laughs> looks like a lot of places in America with the glut of suburban American bullshit. Chili's and Target oh, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. shit. But when I grew up there, it was really charming. A uh, little citrus town, mm. you know, and then um, there was there was a street called Division Street, and it never dawned on me until I was an adult why it was called Division Street. The black people Shit, live on one yeah. side of the town, and the white people lived on the other. Yeah, <clears throat> and then like where uh, Trayvon Martin was m murdered is Sanford, Florida. I'm from Seminole County, so Sanford is the biggest town in. Like, if you have court or traffic tickets, you know, you go to Sanford. Mm. 
Uh, the black neighborhood in Sanford, because Sanford's on this waterway that goes all the way to the ocean, that's been there since the Civil War. Yeah, wow. And then all in the, around the South, there, you know, there's yeah. the, the way towns are, you know, the, the, on the proverbial um, other side of the tracks, mm. you know, or Division Street. Mad, isn't it? Whatever, yeah. it's just, I can't even get my head around that. Which is like, you, you see the advert for uh, Jack Daniels, and they're like, oh, it's Lynchburg. And I remember there's another comic, Phil Wang, was like, change the fucking name, man. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even occur to me. That's my privilege. I'm just going, oh, yeah, that's probably an interesting town. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, I, even, I even remember saying a few years ago, this is before all the UKIP and the Brexit stuff that was happening in the UK. I remember saying, going, oh, yeah, racism seems to have died off a little bit. <laughs> and that's just me walking around in my little... I naively fucking... thought, you know, that it's funny. Like, now, you, if you, you think of the words um, um, uh, post-racial, which a lot of liberal people were throwing around mm. uh, in America uh, after Obama was elected. And I, I, my own liberal naivete... Yeah. thought we were moving in that yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through and, back for a minute. <laughs> simply because I had seen it before. I came to Britain in 1997, and I got here a month after Tony Blair was elected, and it was the, it was the exact same rhetoric and fanfare that Obama was brought in with. It was identical. Yeah. And so I had seen it, and it was like, and I was trying to tell my people, I was like, well, hold on. Because <laughs> mm. remember, y'all ain't, ain't nobody heard of this nigga two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, suddenly he was like, <laughs> just, yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden, he's the hope. And, you know, <laughs> I might have to help you edit this. Song. That's all right, man. No, that's valuable information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you mentioned that to me the other day, and that's like, ah. I, 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 um. It did seem weird I, out I of nowhere. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it just seemed weird out of nowhere. It was like, you know, it was, oh, this is what we need now. And he go, okay. I was standing mm. there. I mean, I was, I was there with, um, the inauguration day with my family and just my dad and all them crying and stuff. And I was just like, oh, I was, I, this ain't what y'all think it is. This is not the second coming. Didn't of smell King. right to you. No, no. No, I was just, well, I was like, I was like, well, let's see what he do. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, he used the same kind of vague campaign change you can believe in, and mm. you know, and just you can't do the same old kind of politics with the same old kind. Of, and then one of the things he campaigned campaigned on was shutting down Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. That didn't happen. And then I mean. Then he got, it seemed like he was in office for a minute when he got the Nobel Peace Prize. And then that made me start being suspicious of the Nobels. Then like, what was that? <laughs> he got it down the line. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and then just, yeah, just under his, under his leadership, I mean, we expanded our, our war scope. Yeah. And the Bush tax cuts were made um, permanent. I, it, I don't know how that's possible. No. Uh, but we're being told that he made the Bush uh, tax cuts permanent. And it's just, I just, yeah, and it was business as usual. One of the things that I noted early in his in, in his, in his uh, time in office is who we filled his cabinet with. Mm. You know, ex Citibank, ex yeah. you know, um, 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 what's it, um, what's it, um, ah, I can't, my memory is kind of just businessmen. But of business no, it was man, the bankers, yeah. the New York bankers, the big banking firm. Oh yeah. And it was like those people, were, and there's this there's this uh, revolving door between government and the corporate sector now and it's totally uh, a, a conflict of interest yeah 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 and it's just and none and just after the 2007 housing crisis and not one of them were prosecuted under the Obama White House yeah so you know I'm glad some Brown was in the White House I mean I, it looked nice and he made better speeches than his predecessor <laughs> but I mean, you know, and I'm sure he's a nice dude. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice. Dude. I, 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 I find him likable. I liked him. Yeah, and just, you know, I loved Obama. Yeah, I loved him. Even and I, even yeah. I know he made mistakes. He should have. He should have jailed bankers. That pissed off a lot of people. Mistakes. Yeah, uh, like he overlooked something. No, you, you can't get in that office without mm -hmm. making the deals with those people. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah. Kennedy, Kennedy found that out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he he blew up a lot of Pakistani weddings, uh, you know. And then Reg pointed out to me, which I also felt and remembered that you know, one of his big driving points in the campaign was shutting down Guantanamo. Mm, and that we yeah. were above torture and all that. So yeah, yeah, like yeah. a lot of shit stayed the same. Yeah, this is always the way. Like you said, that big fanfare, and then because they're in the <clears> pockets <throat> of the businessmen. Yeah, but I, I so still have just, yeah, coffee still... mugs and um, a commemorative plate <laughs> that I eat off of with Obama's face on it. Uh, after talking with Reg, I, I've, I I might put him on the top show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. uh... I still keep him, but I don't want to see him. 
I, I, remember, I, I, was, I, was, I, don't, I won't destroy them, but I'll, I'll use them a little less. <laughs> I remember my old man told me, I was, I was spouting off about Obama one day, and he says, he says, the things you mad at him about, what's that thing you call redistribution of wealth? He said, if he do the kind of stuff you're talking about, he'll get shot in the head. And he said, you can't get mad at another <clears throat> man for not wanting to get shot in the head if you ain't willing to get shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty high up on my list. <laughs> that's uh, one of my favorite Bill Hicks jokes. He said, I don't think it matters who's in charge. I think whenever someone gets elected president, they're being, they're being, they're taken into a secret room and they're showed a, 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 a film of the Kennedy assassination from an, from an angle. angle you've never oh, yeah. seen before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any questions? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get it, I get it. I see, I see myself I out. That, I think that sums it up. What's my agenda? You want me to bomb back that? You got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give, me that, give me those buttons. Give me those buttons. Yeah. There's a threat. I went down a wormhole looking at, so I was looking at Obama and I was looking at all these other things and then you end up getting to Louis, Louis Farrakhan. And you're like, Well, probably uh, was instrumental in killing Malcolm X, don't you think? Who was that? Louis Farrakhan. Uh, he came to power after he was a part of the... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't have any, I don't, I, I can't say that I would doubt that, no, no I do, I just don't believe that, no. I believe it was the U.S. government along with uh, a, 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 a control set of Mus- a Muslim faction, um, with a Nation of Islam faction, uh, but I think it was the CIA, and I think, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Well, I do um, like that he's, um been so staunch about bringing the bow tie back to men's family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if nothing else, he looks sharp. I mean, I think sharp Louis, was attacked. You can, I mean, you can say a lot of things about Louis Farrakhan. I mean, I don't hear some of the things he don't say about aliens and Jews. And I'm like, okay, well, I just... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, uh-huh. you know, okay, right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I'm not ready to put Malcolm's assassination in here. I mean, I just, there's just too... I mean, he was, he, was, he was a kid at the time. How old was he at the time? No, no, no. Nah. I'm not saying he didn't have some involvement. I mean, I, I doubt that too. But if he did, it was much lower down the level. Mm-hmm. I know that, that was that was How that was the USA just, special. Maybe he just drove the getaway car. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just dragged away on his little baby car. When the CIA bought the gas. <laughs> wow, wow, I believe that. <laughs> so do you find it? Do you find it depressing? Really, like when you look into it, the way that the, the the fact that the world is run just run by. I mean, it's always been corrupt from the top down. But it seems to be getting worse now, and they seem to be more blatant with it. Like they just go, "Yeah, everybody, we are." Everybody seems like a scumbag yet. now. I think there's yeah. a there's a small band of um, true-hearted people that are still trying to be good people, in my opinion. Yeah, you know? that's kind of the theme. That's... It's getting smaller and smaller. It seems. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like Red said something really cool in his show about uh, used to be when he was what is it? When I was growing up, people were concerned with being a good person. Yep, and yeah. now it's. People are more concerned about feeling good about whatever kind of person they are. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if you're a scumbag, you're gonna feel, yeah. that thing that really, <laughs> yeah. really nails it. Cause like my brothers are, are fucking uh, hammerheads and they're yeah. proud of their ignorance. <laughs> they're proud that they've never been anywhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that just now. I was saying to, saying to Reg, in last year's show, I was saying like, if you're lying on your bed and you're going, oh, I'm a bit of a cunt. Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not a cunt because cunts don't think that way. They're cunts. And they're yeah. not, they're not, there's no remorse. They don't go, oh shit, I should probably stop doing that. You're probably just an asshole. You're just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is their time. I think now is the time for cunts and bullies yep. and assholes. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, if, you, if you're a cunt, this, this is your period. This will be, they'll look back at this, these years as the golden age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Golden age of cunts. Oh man, I could just say shitty things about women and blacks and Jews and the people used to applaud me and stuff. I wish it was oh. 2019 again. Oh man. <laughs> Those were the good old days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You didn't man. have to wear this shitty hood. You could just be out free. Oh, man. Liberals yeah. hated each other. But <laughs> 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 well, this is, I mean, that social media is just a wash. Especially Twitter. It's just, you're never more than 280 characters away from some fucking dickhead. No matter what you post. Like, I posted a thing about Notre Dame burning down. I just went, oh, how come we can find that money that quick, but we can't find that money quickly for... Well, that's the whole issue you know, in France, is yeah. all those was yellow vest people oh, yeah, yeah, protesting, yeah. and they didn't have any extra money for them. And then 
Yeah. That's exactly the thing. And then all these rich people have donated to the reconstruction project because they want their names on, on the yeah. plaques and shit. And it's like, in a snap, all this money has appeared. Yeah. So the resentment by the working class in France is uh, made even deeper. Yeah. And then they and then they made out like the yellow vests were were fucking terrorists. And... What was it, George Collin? It said, homelessness. If you could find a way to like run a program for homeless people, or like some rich scumbag could like peel off a few million off the top, you see the streets of North America clear up pretty goddamn quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you can find a way to make a few million off the homeless, you you see. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is made by Dark Horse Digital. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production. It's getting worse as well now, especially in this country. It used to be one guy would wander the town. He was the tramp. Mm-hmm. And everyone knew him. He was just this wacky dude with his hat on back to front, and yep. he was, you know, the town nonconformist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was eccentric or he was yeah. whatever he was doing. But now you've got people. People have got their entire the entire contents of their houses props up against railway stations under bridges, and you're just like, how the fuck did it get to this? There's like 350,000 homeless people now, just and, and counting, and you're like, what the what do we do? You know. It, it, I mean, it makes me realise when I'm moaning because I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to go to Leeds for one day to go <laughs> and tell some jokes. It makes you realise how lucky you are. Yeah, it, it does make you feel lucky, but I think we're going through a phase, well, obviously. I think, um, I feel like I have to say something in defense of social media. Because so, this, this, I'm sorry, so this, this epidemic of modern assholishness is going to pass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I think, and, I, and I, think, I think these are some positive things about it. I think, one, social media serves as a reservoir uh, to some extent where um, assholes can go and, and vent and not be a danger to the rest of society. Sort of like British football. You go, true, you got true, to have yeah. somewhere where, where the masses, the powerless masses get to go and tee off on something. And it's like, fine. Let them go in imaginary land and do that. Yeah, you're right. And if you're getting hurt by people spotting off in imaginary land, then stay off imaginary land. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Yeah, it's your choice. Don't get into it. And yeah, it's um, and social media is what you make it. I mean, yeah, assholes can come up, and but I think the worst thing about social media is that it's made stupid people fall in love with their opinions. Mm. They feel that. The, the way we cover, amen. It, yeah, it, it's it's um, people love their opinions and they feel like 
people feel like their opinions are equals to an expert's facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you know, yeah. and so that's, and, and, but see, the good thing is, even though we're in the midst of it, and it's, unple it's unpleasant. It's out in the open, mm, and if you know, if you can, if you can see what your problem is, that's half liberation right there. It's like when you correctly identify what your problem is. Yeah, so. I think that, I think that's what I've been doing in the last couple of years, was identifying what my problem was. Mm -hmm. You know, like I talked to you earlier, mm -hmm. just that. How do you tell yourself the truth? Without stroking yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah. Being you honest can, with you yourself. You can stroke yourself after you finish telling yourself the truth. Yeah. But it's these people who are constantly stroking themselves while they're telling themselves the truth, which means they cherry pick the truths that they'll they'll accept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I try to have like a day or month where it's like non-stroking day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I had it with because it was I was married for a bit, but you know, and, and I've past relationships. I've been messing around and doing all these other things and mm -hmm. upsetting loads of people, and but because I always felt like. I'm owed something. This is this is this is. I'm, I'm, what, what was happening was I was. I hadn't dealt with stuff from when I was a kid, and there was a lot of resentment from various bits and bobs. I was just taking it out on everybody, like subconsciously. And then one day, when my, my marriage broke down, I was like, right, this is another relationship that's fucked, mm -hmm. and I fucked it. And mm -hmm. it was the day I went, I fucked it. I did mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And going forward, it's been. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been. Now I've taken responsibility, not blaming anyone. I go, okay. Those, all the mistakes you make, try not to make those again. Well, it's, it's, you know? like every relationship, you get better. Yeah. And like, I'm coming out of a 10-year relationship, married for seven, and uh, and I love my ex-wife. We mm. had talked last night. We're still close. And yeah. She made me a better person in every way. And Same. it's funny, it's yeah. like, now that I'm like, I'm 52, and now I think I might be a decent partner in my next relationship. Because <laughs> like, yeah, just about know, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I learned to keep the toilet seat down when I was in my twenties, and not leave you know, sh you know, dirty dishes and shit lying around. And yeah, but it's like you know, just but other things like uh, conversation and yeah. things that uh, your partner um, needs. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm the last. I'm the last of nine children, and. My relationship, my relationship with my father is almost completely different, you know, between him and his other children. Mm. And my father, he was around. He walked me to school every morning. He made breakfast, and he talked me talked to me a lot. And I was talking to my sister about this, and she said, she said, Daddy had his first child at nineteen, and she said, and during our childhoods, he was out there running the streets, gambling, chasing women, drinking. She said, but it was somewhere around fifty when you came along that he began to start to be interested in being a father. Right, yeah. So he sired his first one at 19, but started to get interested in fatherhood around 50. Wow, man. <laughs> yeah, I told you, yeah. you know, my, my father was the same. He told me, I had a little sister, my two older brothers, you know, he, you know, he was rougher yeah. and uh, on them. And he, he told me and my sister, by the time you guys rolled around, I had parenting figured out a little yeah. bit. <laughs> he had made all the mistakes on, the, on those two. Yeah, yeah, yes. You know? <laughs> Which is where all the resentment towards me came from. That's it, yeah. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere, oh, yeah. The cute little kid gets a new toy. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to bully the fuck out of him for that, yeah. yeah. But I was the same, it's like, all, like my ex-wife, classy lady, she's a very classy lady. But, you know, I fucked it and, and but for, but like you like you just said, Tom, I'm now I'm now a much better person. I'm much better at I understand people more. And we don't know if that comes with age. Or, definitely age. Hey, yeah. hey, but don't do yourself down now. Your ex-wife, she's probably a better person for having gone that through the experience with you. Yeah, true. You know, yeah, I, I, no, I, I, yeah. I, that's what that's I what my, that's what Ashna says about. We said it to each other last night. You know, I, I have. Yeah, um, yeah, right, I have. The, there have been plenty of women that I've dated, and after they broke up with me. They went straight into marriage with the perfect dude. I, I consider yes, myself, this, I yeah. consider that I've graduated. <laughs> I've graduated a lot of women from Red U. Yeah. Red University, you, boy. Your prep school. Yeah, yeah, man. Reggie's prep yeah, school. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just, and just I have I, I have strong I have strong alumni participation too. <laughs> I look forward to that reunion yeah, yeah. in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've graduated a lot of just, just, just going to fine relationship careers. Fine, fine. Relationship. Yeah. My ex-wife now. Yeah, she's remarried. Married yeah, she dude, happy as fuck. Having the best time. She, yeah, yeah. And she, she wouldn't have done that if she'd stayed where she was, which was in the church. Mm. She was at, she was a Jehovah's mm -hmm. Witness. And she left that to, to 
fucking dance with the devil, man. She went to Rich University. Yeah. I've thought of it that way before. I'm too busy being down on myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this has been a good chat. <laughs> learning some shit. Who needs therapy when you have comedian friends? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but it's yeah, nice that you can still talk to your, your ex and... It's such Still. a rare, beautiful thing. Yeah. And I didn't want to get divorced. I was perfectly comfortable. Yeah. It was her idea. She was right. Um, and there, there was no infidelity, no major crisis. No, no. Nobody's angry about anything. We just equally divided the money we had in the bank. And yeah. I'd still help her any way I can. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Beautiful. I remember she's, doing, she's helped me with um, this book I'm trying to write. So we're like we're working on projects together. She's That's she's amazing. a genius. Well, she's she's from Holland, and um, as Reg knows, the Dutch people are a pretty higher intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And then she spent ten years around comedy. She's got a great comedy brain. Mm -hmm. She's seen yeah. thousands of comedians and has strong opinions like I do about Excellent. it. Yeah. One of the things I, I fell in love with being in Britain and certainly in, 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 in Holland is uh, I was stunned over here. I tell my friends back home, I said, in Britain, you can be openly smart and still get laid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can be openly huh? smart. <laughs> yeah. well, the Dutch, I'd, we, I'd never been before. I'd never been into the Netherlands. We, Jade and I gigged over there recently and they're very chilled out people and after, yeah, in, as you're doing the gig, I'm like, oh man, I don't know how this is going across. And afterwards, I go, dude, that was really great. I loved it. And I'm like, oh man, I thought you were bored. And I'm like, no, 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 we were watching you. Yeah. It's not their first language, their process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they exactly got to give that moment to yeah. Especially the way I but talk as well. But imagine us, like, being able to comprehend another comedian's language. No. Nah. Break down the. Yeah, the, the, the Dutch are amazing. <laughs> I remember watching, I went to a Polish comedy night in Brixton. And the rhythms are the same. None of their shoes were tied. None of them. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> exotic jeans. Very exotic jeans there. Yeah. Leather they jackets. Kept, they kept screwing in light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave the shelves alone. We've got this to do. It's always those jokes when we were kids. How many Polish people to take the screw in a light bulb and that kind of shit? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember dumb, when I was at Rob. Dumb it, racist jokes. It, yeah, yeah, but it was always but that light bulb joke. Is, it just fits every group, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember it was like, um, and when I was at Rado, it was like, um, how many actors does it take to screw in the light bulb? Um, one or two. One to screw it in, and one to say, I could have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And what was that other one I said I got from Rado the other day? It was like, um, somebody was being officious, really officious with us, um, and I leaned over to Tom and I said, at Rado they used to say. There's nobody more royal than the king's butler. True, <laughs> <laughs> mm. <Sure>, man. <laughs> there was uh, always still. Yeah, you're always... right. There was that. There was the one. How many women does it take to screw in a light bulb? Mm. Like none. Just let her cook in the dark. <laughs> it's <was a> <laughs> shocking. Oh, oh, I thought oh, I, knew, I didn't know that one. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> but it's that shit. In, in the there was a lot of Irish jokes as well growing up. And... Yeah, and the French and the Dutch both make fun of the Belgians. People make fun of someone everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In Israel, um, the, the, they make Palestine jokes, and Palestinians make Jewish yeah. jokes. And... Yeah, I remember I, when I, my first year in England. I was hatred uh, to humor. <laughs> I was staying. <laughs> I was staying. Um, I was staying in Walthamstow. There's a gay guy that um, and he let me sleep out in his shed. It was warm, and he had a futon out there. He oh, had wow. loads of books, and. He was telling me how when he goes to visit his German boyfriend in Germany, um, the German gay guys give him shit because he's English. Yeah, right. And I said, but y'all both gay. Yeah. Surely y'all got enough enemies, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surely, yeah, I mean, yeah. that divides that. I mean, you gotta, you gotta small enough cake already. You, know? <laughs> you like dick, I like dick. Why, 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 why are we, why are we fighting? <laughs> why do you still have your pants on? <laughs> it's very English to have your pants on. Stuff. <laughs> it does blow my mind that there's still prejudice. In, what was that thing that for little things? What's that thing that Richard Pryor said when he went to film Stir Crazy? He was like, he says. There's Muslims, there's double Muslims, there's um, there's, there's there's Nazis. He says they all criminals, and even they can't unite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even they can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but you're in a better place now, Tom. 
Oh uh-huh. my god, yeah. I'm in a great place. I've been yeah. hanging out with Reginald D. Hunter for two months. And, uh, <laughs> I love how he says my whole name. Remember the Everyone name? does. <laughs> Everyone, no one says Reg. No, I say Reg all the time. What are you talking no, about? No, I, I, I love the way you say it. I didn't. Reginald D. Hunter. I didn't say you never. <laughs> oh, uh, I remember someone telling me that you were a character act. When I started, they said that you were a character. They told me that. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just fucking with me. Somebody put a false thing on. Um, was it on um, Wikipedia? Yeah, right. That I was uh, that I appeared in the original Tales of the Crypt. Yeah, right. there was some black guy in there that's apparently. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, you know, yeah, it was me. It was like, <laughs> well, that was funny, man. I think I was just getting out of high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a good tour, though. You've been traveling. You go to Scotland and you go Ireland everywhere, and, man. Yeah. All over the country. It's been great to because I, I haven't been over in five years and. I used to come over a lot. Took a break because I mean I would used to party really hard when I came, and then just life took me in a different direction. <clears throat> well, I mean, the last time I came over, I got sober in 2014, and then that was the last time I was over. Um, but um, Reg invited me to do this, and in the dark days of my divorce in January and February, um, this is what I've been looking forward to. Yeah, it kept of me keep you going. From going really deep and yeah. you know, and, and I didn't. It wasn't a terrible breakup, but no. um, so yeah, man. Life is. And I was uh, recover- life is really happy right Excuse now. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I was I, I was I'm re- I was recovering from a broken leg two years oh, ago. Shit. It's, it's nearly healed now, and I gotten fat and stuff and just and I and on a selfish level, I wanted to have Tom over um, for two reasons. One, I wanted to get my timing back, mm. and I think if I just be riding this cat every day. Yeah, you know, get that energy. <laughs> and then, and also as well, um, he's in pursuit of smart material, which I am. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, man. and so it's like, I, I, it's, it, I think it's our next shows where the fruit of this is really going to be yeah, shown. Yeah, man. It's just, yeah, it's just. Yeah, well, but it's this like, year. You, know, you mentioned, you make the flippant remark about dick jokes and like, we can refer to comedy as dick jokes. Like, when I was younger, I, you know, I, Love dirty jokes. Love Richard Pryor. All my mm. favorite comedians, you know, did dirty shit. But um, as I've gotten older, I just want to do the smartest material I can. Yeah. And then, plus, you know, and then plus, you know, in an hour where, you know, Brexit is happening, Trump is happening, Syria is happening, Yemen is happening, you, you going to stand there and talk about your dick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The world's on fire. Yeah, well, look at this. This is not being used enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gonna do that? <laughs> what? Well, because I, I remember I, I said to you the other night. So when I saw, I saw you at the Bill Murray, mm. and I remember I said to you, I remember seeing you years ago up the creek. So I was a barman there, and I remember that's when I God first became aware of you guys. Ah oh, man, what I a used gig. to rip the roof off. Yeah, that joint. that's why I remember seeing you there. Yeah, and then just seeing you, uh, you know. The, the you chaos, know. I, because we talked about chaos, and I have this really—I get this calm feeling in chaos. It was always chaotic at up the creek. I was—that's why I was. Yeah, it was yeah. Great I always yeah. It, it, just, it always felt like something was going to happen, and anything might. And yeah, it just felt yeah. like that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not even in the gig, it's like just you, around the yeah. gig. Yeah. And, and if you, somebody gets a, a pint glass smashed on someone's face at any minute, or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you was doing like five, like between four and six gigs on a Friday, Saturday night, which a lot of us did when we was hustling around, That's right, yeah. It was like you, you, if you looked on the schedule, and you your last one was at the creek. That's the, yeah, yeah. That's when, yeah. That's, that's when, some fine punctuation. That's where I'm unplugging, and that's. Yeah. <laughs> I could end up anywhere after that. You yeah. ended up at the store, wasn't bad either. No. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but the creek was a little, little looser. Yeah, well, that was my. I always, I thought all comedy was like, the, was like up the creek. So mm. when I started doing comedy, and they're like, no, 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 that's what you do later. You've got to come into this room here, no one in it. You got to learn, and then you earn, you earn that. But you got to do this first. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, it was a real. Well, I was like to go because there was a lot of English com- comedians I knew who wouldn't do it because it, um, it was too pugilistic. <laughs> <laughs> but I always liked it for that reason. To just yeah, I made like, you a big. You know, I think you gotta have like kind of a gunfighter attitude. Yeah. Did you, you ever do Late in Live at uh, Edinburgh? Oh man, well I got a great story about Late in Live. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was in the year two thousand, which is before. Um, and it, this is in, and this story also involves Georgia. Um, Rich Hall, I mean, in Late in Live back then, I, I went back in 2014 and did Late in Live like five times. It ain't like it was. Yeah. Nah, yeah. But like <clears throat> late 90s, early 2000s, that was people went there just to just heckle to, yeah, and rip yeah. people to shreds. So 
I had just gone to check out the festival. I had just moved to Amsterdam and I was playing in England a lot and I you know, wanted to do the festival one day, so I was checking it out. Um, it was an all-American show hosted by Louis Schaefer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people <laughs> wow, went there just to heckle Louis Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Rich Hall was headlining, closing the thing. So uh, it turned into this anti-American rally. And every comedian, it was lambs to the slaughter. And uh, Rich Hall, uh, and I'm, I was already drunk when I got there, but my, 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 great, old, my great old friend Rich Hall uh, mysteriously gets laryngitis and asks me if I would uh, take his set for him. Right. And me being the cocky prick that I am, I thought, they're going to love me. <laughs> so I'm pounding more beers, I'm waiting, and, and people are getting slaughtered, and I'm enjoying it. You know? And so... The sound man fucked me. I'm not a flag waver. I'm not a, a you know a nationalist. No. Nah. This already rabid anti-American audience. He played "God Bless America" as I walked out. This already rabid, this already rabid anti-American audience lost their fucking minds, and I couldn't even get started on the mic. They're yelling, "Fuck you! Go oh back my. to America!" and "Fuck you! Go back to America!" <laughs> And I had this really surreal moment. I can still picture it because I still smoked cigarettes back then. And you could smoke in there. Yeah. I sat down Indian style on the on the stage and I lit a cigarette and I just looked at these people and I soaked in this panoramic scene. And mm. I can still picture it to this day. All these ugly contorted faces pointing Jesus. and spittle coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Fuck you. Go back to America. Fuck, Fuck you. Me, so I, I look over. The stage manager wants me to get up. I get up. I try to tell a joke. And I, I told a joke, he got a smattering of a little laugh. And I, I think that was the moment I could have turned it around. Mm. But the next joke I chose wasn't the right one. <clears throat> and then they just, just the din of noise and screams. And um, that particular show was my Vietnam. Mm-hmm. For years after that, I would wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. <gasps> oh, oh Jesus. Jesus, still thinking I was on that stage and fuck you, oh. to America. <laughs> so um, I think it was oh. about nine years after that, I'm headlining at the Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia. And they're great. They, would, they, they used to put you at the, at the Hilton Suites. So you had a suite. Yeah, nice. And you had a bedroom, and his French doors would open, and a really nice living room. So I had just woken up at, like, noon, and uh, I, I made a cup of coffee. I'm having my first cup of... I'm in my underwear by myself in this Hilton in, in Atlanta. Yeah. And I turn on CNN, and the old town center of Edinburgh is engulfed in flames. And I knew that's where the old late in life was. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The so I'm alone in my underwear in Atlanta, Georgia, and I stood up and went... <laughs> you never forget where you got your ass handed to you. <laughs> and then so I was, when I went back in 2014, I went loaded for bear. I had, I just thought of every evil thing I could say to another human being. Just stockpiled all these great comebacks. <laughs> And I got I got heckled, and I was and I told that story every night, and I was like, "Fuck you, I ain't leaving. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, You're dealing going. with me this time." <laughs> but you and, know the way it, way it, it kind of is now, man. It's like it's like remembering the bully that beat you up back in the day, yeah. and you get beat up and strong over a period of years, and when you go back. You find the motherfuckers in a wheelchair and quite pleasant. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, I'm really sorry for what I did. Yeah. Uh, come here, man. Yeah. I did late like first time last year mm. and was ready. I was like, I'm fucking having this. <laughs> and I went out, guns blazing, and they're like, nah, chill out, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Do your show, do it. Yeah. 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 Just do it. We're going to hear material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's much more congenial. Man. Yeah, I mean, I ended up naked at the end. I made, I made a joke about what I look like naked. And they were just, just like, off, off, off. Oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. And then I, I couldn't get past them screaming off, 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 so I... Do you know Tony Woods? Yeah. <laughs> Tony Woods showed me how to deal with that kind of situation like that. It was, I, was, I just was with him, I was watching. It was some gig in Delaware, and I was, I was in town, and I just, it was like some university gig, and it was a black student union at yeah. this gig, and these kids, they were like influenced by um, what's, it, what's that show where they used to boo people off? Uh, oh, Evening at the Apollo. Evening at the Apollo. Right, right, right. And so they had that kind of vibe. So this first guy comes out, 
and they listen to one two jokes and they start going boo get off get yeah. off then so they boo him off second guy comes out they didn't even like the way he was dressed before he could even speak <laughs> <laughs> so Tony Woods comes out and they start yelling look at this old nigga get this old nigga off stage <laughs> so Tony just looked surprised and he reached his pocket and he pulled out a cigarette and he lit it and he just stood there and he smoked it while he was doing the same thing, taking in the panoramic view. And then around minute two, they started calming down a bit. And then by minute four, they were completely quiet. And then Tony says, whenever you're ready. And they got quiet, and he had the best set of the night. Yeah. <laughs> whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Woods is one of the true masters of the game. Yeah. Known him for years, great man and one of the funniest comedians. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that nigga. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just, any man I love, I'm not even man, any any person that I love, just, and when I laugh and think about it, I go, that nigga there. He can be black, white, whatever. That nigga there. <laughs> oh, man. I say it in my head, I don't say it out loud. It's lovely, man. And I wanted to, because listening to your podcast and then that particular episode, Suffering, because I've seen you be on stage and seen you just do your thing and, oh, this man's fucking bulletproof, man. And then listening to that particular episode, I was like, ah, oh, man, it was... I think one of the best things we can do as comedians, I mean, because we, we are artists, as pretentious as that is to say, but uh, you need to feel your feelings. Yeah. And then, like, something like a divorce, that's a big event in life. Mm. So I, yeah. I, was, I was having a tough time when I... Uh, I think that one was, like, in February. Yeah, but you, you did know? it in such a way that it was just... I could relate to everything, and, and it was just cool, nice man. hearing someone like you <clears throat> talk about that. And I was like, fuck. I, 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 I love when people tell me they enjoyed episodes of my podcast. You know, I, I, I put a lot of effort into it. I don't, yeah. uh, I, I won't put one out for a couple of weeks if I don't have something good to say or nah. present to people and shit. And oddly enough, um, some of my, most of my listeners are in London. <laughs> uh, yeah. LA, San Francisco, and London are my. Uh, my Sweet. wife used to look at this. Hey, man, you just said something interesting about, yeah. like, if you don't have nothing interesting to say for a couple of weeks, you won't put nothing out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so Tom has his own um, sort of prime directive about his own podcast, like, your own standards about what you want. Yeah. Can, tell, can you tell some more about, like, what well, people your... feel like, you know, you need to put it out every week on a certain day at a certain yeah, time yeah, to build yeah. the followers. And you know what? As I mean, when I, b b my wife helped me with everything. Mm. So but before her, it was difficult doing it on my own. Yeah. And I had a dude that would post them up for me and stuff. When she was with me, I really um, helped the flow with the technical shit that um, uh, a lot of uh, men of a certain age aren't that great. Mm, same. Yeah. But um, but now I'm like the I know I got my 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 core listeners mm. and the the Patreons are the people who give the money and I. Yeah. I treat them real good. I'm, I'm, I mail them shit every month. Nice. If you if you give twenty dollars a month, I send a personal postcard oh, from wow. somewhere in the world, and I've become friends with all of them. Yeah. And then like a lot, you know, a lot of them wrote me when I was going through my divorce. We know you're going through a hard time. Don't feel like you have to put out an episode wow, until you're man. ready. So they're like friends. They understand. Yeah, yeah. That's and fantastic. And it's like uh, I'm working on this. Lord Byron episode. Like, I like to do the kind of book <laughs> wow. reports. Wow, yeah. Uh, I've done episodes on Voltaire and the French Revolution and uh, Seneca. I did one on Seneca recently. Uh, I'm, I'm really into knowledge, and I want to present, you know, my, my, my podcast is called Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 wanna, I want shit. people to, to, to get something out of it. So I get all this my Lord Byron podcasts. episode, I was thinking about it last night as I was going to bed. I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading this last book. And I'm like, I really like to record this while I'm in England. Oh, yeah. Because I did it for England. But, like, if it's not going to be the best it can be, I need to, you know, take my time and make some notes. And course, then if, yeah. it, if it doesn't, if mm -hmm. I don't sit down to record it until I get back from England to make the quality better, that's the way. Because it's going to be online forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the are. thing. You're making shit that's going to be up there forever. Yeah. Like this particular episode. I yeah. mean, I would listen to this 10, 20 years from now. It's got go. loads of great information. Yeah, man. That's what I get all my information <laughs> from podcasts. People want to know what 2019 was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all racists and... I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, um, and you, you, you write something or you, you post something 
it's there. That's right. Yeah, you've it, published it. It's like a fart yeah. that won't disperse. <laughs> it's like, don't go into this uh, room. My dad farted there in 82. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the walls now. <laughs> yeah. But it's just there. And it's just, and that's another thing that I think this new age is going to do. I think a lot of us that have been on social media in, in, in any intense form, at some point, we're probably going to have to answer for something we said 20 years ago. I mean, it seems to be the rage now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just, and, I'm, and, and I think by the time that happens, I think we'll have a better handle on it. But certainly if we run for office or anything meaningful, you know, somebody will say, well, in 2019, you said this about, you know, trees. That's right, yeah. And then we <laughs> yeah, got yeah. trees now. So, like, you know, why you say that shit about trees? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd, fuck it. It's out there. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens <laughs> after this. Can I get yeah. a hit of that Holy Spirit song? <laughs> uh, thank you very much, boys. Hey, Rich, you're such a good dude, man. It's thanks been a for, fucking uh, pleasure, man. Respect, thank you. No, thanks for letting me come in. Any uh, thanks, the brotherhood man. of uh, nice, up the man. creek? Yeah, that's it. I think I think that's why I felt I could reach out and go come, come and do this. So I felt a connection because of the creek. You know. Thanks, boys. Insane in the membrane. So that was Tom and Reg. Lovely, lovely, lovely men. Just in it was in like I, I, you know, I say that this podcast is about men's mental health or mental health in general, and it, and it but it, it goes everywhere. It veers off all over the place, and sometimes it's just nice to hear people talking, just having a chat, isn't it? Just having a, a lovely conversation to hear the stories of, especially people from other places than you. You know, it's 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 nice to hear, isn't it? It's more interesting. I love all that. And as you could hear, we were out in the garden, so there would have been the sound of planes going over and, and crows and, and all sorts. Um, but, you know, but, you know, that adds to it as well. So, anyway, listen, thank you for tuning in. Very much appreciate it. Uh, again, thank you to everyone for all your lovely comments and messages. Don't forget to rate us five stars on all the usual uh, podcast doobries. And that'd be great. And uh, have a great week. And I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.